Three, two, one. Our final Jason Jones from Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Some of the time, Joe Patrick and I put on the game and Dirty South Soccer all the time is over there. Kirk Castle on the intro of the song is Chances. And if you hear a ruckus in the background, it's just the five stripe. Fine dog, ignore her as best you can, as best you can. Joe Patrick, I'm never going to ignore you. You're stuck with me, buddy. <laughs> We're right here. And guess what, Joe Patrick? We get to be not only we get to be in each other's presence today. We get to pay attention to each other and feel the bond of human connection. Wow. We also get to do it. In an optimistic way, I feel like. Possibly, maybe, I feel. Well, look, this show is predicated on being the single most negative Atlanta United (laughs) podcast by far. Yeah, I think we have earned that one. And we have damn well earned it. You know, we we fought for it. We we battled for it. And look at us now. Here we are. Um, But I think this one, I think we can... Assume that everyone knows what's going on as far as the shift and everything like that. I think everything has kind of been well covered. We have an hour and a half episode up on everything having to do with the Garibald Lines firing. Um, plenty of stuff on the Patreon as well. All about that, including an interview with Felipe Cardenas. Let's look forward. Let's be, yes. let's be pioneers into a brave new world where... Rob Valentino is telling guys, hey, what if we shot the ball? <laughs> right. And the guys are responding like, oh, we're allowed to? Yeah, we're, we can do that. Please, sir. May we? And it's, not, said, yeah. it's not even just the shooting. It's like the the amount of numbers the team is getting forward is so refreshing to see. You know? exactly it. Like, mm-hmm. So like when Brooks Lennon is, you, when you can kind of see him eyeing up across in the past, it may have been like, uh, this is probably isn't going to end well because there's only like one guy up there. But now it's like, you know, you got lots of guys running in and, and creating opportunities and just creating chaos. You know, I think that that's kind of something that brings me back to the Tata Martino era. It's just like guys flying in and around the box. And we're starting to see more of that. I think it can get, can get better still. Um, yeah, I thought it, specifically Mateus Rosetto was a guy. I thought it was interesting. Valentino even said out loud in the press conference saying that he wishes he would be just a little bit even more aggressive in exploiting the space going forward. He, I was looking, I was, cause I was doing the player ratings earlier. He had a 93% uh, passing percentage, which is like good and bad maybe because I mean, maybe you want somebody doing something a little bit more aggressive in that position. I don't know. But um, if you, um, if you take a moment, if you will, uh, and you don't have to do it now, but but maybe later. If you, uh, the listener, or you, Joe Patrick, want to do this, go look at Mateus Asetu's passing chart on the chalkboards that still exist on MLSsoccer.com. And man, it is lateral and back and lateral and back and really not long his passes his pass maps from 2020 the passes were always just so Mm -hmm. short it was like he was just passing it to the guy right next to him so yeah uh hopefully he can get a little bit better but i think that just in general this team is just looking more dangerous uh and that's why i've been giving the team higher ratings these last couple games against cincinnati and the columbus crew they necessarily the results haven't been probably what they wanted but the performances are better i think so it's it's encouraging I'm laughing because I, I opened the show with how positive I was going to be. And you said one nice thing about Mateus Assess, and I immediately <laughs> shot it down. <laughs> immediately. Uh, no soup for you. Uh, let, let's, let's be a little more positive in, in this next segment where we talk about all things having to do with the game that was. This is Sports Prime Game Time. 
Sports time, game time, sports time, game time, sports prime game time. Sports so it's, prime I bet it hasn't gotten old yet. <laughs> no one, no one thinks it's gotten old. Game time, sports prime game time, sports prime game time, sports prime game time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime yeah. Game Time. Joe Patrick, and we kind of hit it this. And I think we can cover kind of two games here pretty quickly. Atlanta United, uh, 1-1 draw with Cincy, and then a one nothing loss to Columbus. But overall, we've already kind of hit out the chance creation. Far, far better. I think Mike Conti posted a stat after the game comparing Atlanta United's average uh, expected goals created over 90 minutes through the first 13 games of Gabriel Anze's tenure, which was like 0.8 maybe. I, I'm shocked it was that high, to be totally honest. Mm-hmm. The last two games have been somewhere around 1.5, 1.6. It's almost double the chances created, and it's extremely encouraging. Yeah, it really is. I think a, a couple keys to it. Uh, one, obviously, is Joseph Martinez coming back into the side. He hasn't been the same Joseph Martinez that we know. You know, like we we know that just physically he's not there yet, but the way that his presence impacts the game is just astonishing to see, Yeah, especially for us to see it kind of in person um, from the press box on the game Saturday. You just can sense the kind of gravitational force somebody like that has, and he's got technique, too. I think that his game is changing a little bit i think that when he came to atlanta united in 2017 and in, in when he was here in, obviously in 2018 he was used more as a a guy who was making those penetrating runs really getting between those center backs and just driving the defense back uh, and that's why we saw so many goals from him where he was getting released into space and behind and i think that now especially it started in 2019 under frank DeBoer, but he's really i think changing his game a little bit where he's a more well-rounded center forward does a lot more of that link up play not the ball not always uh, going forward off of his foot um, and just the ball just generally finding his foot more often. You know, they're playing through him instead of to him to an extent. So mm-hmm. um, that's a big deal. And then uh, the other thing I think is Santiago Sosa moving up into a more of a traditional central midfield role, I think really helps this team out a lot, especially going forward. Uh, and I thought that Rob Valentino said something specifically in his postgame press conference. that was interesting, which is that he solves problems for us or, or is a, you know, mm-hmm. he, he found solutions for us or whatever the, the phrase was. Was, that's exactly the kind of phrase that this team coaches and players would use talking about Darlington Nagby. Nagby yep. Exactly. So I think having that kind of player that can just kind of get you out of sticky situations and and keep help you keep possession and keep that kind of forward attacking momentum going is going to be such a huge help for this team. And I think it was evident in those first 30 minutes or so of the game Saturday where it really felt like that was the first time in a long time that we've seen that kind of sustained pressure from Atlanta United, like possessing the ball inside the opponent's half and really, you know, being in and around the box trying to score. It was as engaged as I've been watching this team since that first half against Philadelphia that completely disappeared (laughs) in the second half and obviously never showed up again under Gabriel Einstein. But it's apparent not only in our own personal experiences, right? Like just watching the game and feeling like, oh, wow, it's it's been 40 minutes instead of like, oh, my God, it's been 40 minutes. (laughs) And I think I've been here for five years, you know. Um, I heard the ATL chant and it was like, holy shit, this is happening already. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. And I I think um, we're going to get to it more, but it all kind of comes down to just this team looking freer, looking more um, compelled to just do things that result in goal scoring chances, which seems so (laughs) basic. It's just so frustrating to me that like it all we really had to do to make this team seem like somewhat like at a, a seven 
six East playoff spot level competency. Let's just say, Hey, go try, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's frustrating to kind of think that maybe this could have been better throughout the entire thing. Uh, but I want to kind of go back and, and hit at what you kind of said about Joseph. And I, I think the Joseph thing is interesting right now because having Joseph back um, helps everything, but it also, I think exposes one of the big flaws of this team. And it, it's nothing necessarily new. It's just that he does have that gravitational pull. He does draw multiple defenders, and at times he draws two center backs, and that's huge. And it opens up chances for for other people, right? Like Jake Mulraney had a huge chance in the beginning mm-hmm. of the game, but didn't finish, mm-hmm. right? Marcelino Moreno had a chance uh, and had a few chances in transition that didn't quite pan off uh, because, you know, you're, you're getting the ball to other people, and maybe Marcelino could have finished a couple shots that didn't didn't really come off extremely well. I can think of one in particular. It was kind of a one-two in transition with Brooks Lennon that went right at the keeper, just real slow from like 12 yards out, could have been finished. It's great that Joseph is pulling all those guys, but right now they they just don't have the folks who can make that matter on yeah. the wing. Yeah, absolutely. And this, this doesn't quite go with your point, but you know this team is still missing a ton of players, a ton of quality, and just in terms of still mm-hmm. players who are missing with injury and also obviously the guys who are on international duty. Ezekiel Barco obviously is a designated player. We could talk about you know how much he would actually help or hurt his presence coming into this team, but you know the the fact of the matter is that. Atlanta United is down a DP. Um, then you're also obviously missing a guy in, in George Bello, who is obviously a defender, but he still gives you some attacking width and he gets you some of that mm-hmm. thrust going forward. So I agree with you, though. It does kind of expose the fact that they do not quite have the kinds of players in those attacking areas that are really going to punish you, you know, that are mm-hmm. actually going to be potent and get the ball in the goal. Cause that's what the game is about. Right. And that's right. kind of the heartbreaking thing about the game Saturday was that this team did all these good things that we want to see. And, and it was, it was more fun. I'm sure for, uh, uh for fans. I know it was for us just to watch them play, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, they didn't get three points and this team needs to start getting results. If it wants to, you know, make that playoff push that they all think that they're capable of. So, um, I, I agree with you. I think that it does kind of expose kind of some of the areas that need strengthening and, and maybe, maybe they are going to strengthen those. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that business time in just a second, yeah. but not only, like I said, is it more engaging for us? It's more engaging for the crowd. I thought for a crowd that was probably not quite as expansive as we're maybe used to with a third not, tier game, not quite right? 67,000. Maybe, maybe not quite that. <laughs> maybe not quite that. Still more than pretty much any other MLS team crowd. is going to yeah. offer. Yeah. But they were more engaged than any crowd I can remember yeah. in a long time uh, throughout the entire game. It, it seemed like the game, because of that, it seemed like the game had stakes. It was a legitimate bummer to have Columbus kind of steal that goal off of a very well-worked set piece. They had planned it, you know. It was, it was very well drilled. Worked out beautifully for them, but... You know, it, it made everything better. You Just know, make everything better. You know, something I loved hearing from the fans was in the beginning of the game, the team had a couple chances. One of them that I clearly remember was the one where uh, Joseph Martinez just missed a header. Brooks Lennon put in a really nice bending cross from deep and Joseph kind of leapt and then he kind of tumbled into the net or whatever. But the fans gave like a nice applause for the, those mm-hmm. kinds of moves, you know, and so you could sense that the fans understand like what they like to see on the field. And that's the. <laughs> 
the ball, you know, getting into those threatening areas and the team creating those kinds of chances. So I thought it was really good to hear the fans kind of, you know, give the players feedback in that sense that like, this is what we want to see. This is good. You know, let's keep doing this, even if it's not coming off this one or two times. Um, and so that, I thought that to your point about them just being engaged, I thought that they were like really kind of paying attention um, to what was going on in the field. Cause I think that these, the fans are noticing the difference in this team, these last couple mm-hmm. of games as compared to what they were seeing, you know, under the what 13 or 12 or 13 games under Gabriel Heinze, where it was just kind of, it was just really hard to watch at times because it was so rigid and so the the patterns were so were so similar from game to game and they weren't that exciting to watch so i think that people are just really excited to see this team kind of playing in a new way that where you don't know what to expect and that's kind of what we all want to see it's even better for the players rick slennon said after the game that he just enjoys playing this kind of style and obviously for someone who runs as much as he does you know it, it fits him well but i think everyone would agree that this is just a more entertaining way to play which is all we really have been asking for i think you know and what we thought we were going to get with gabby instead it ended up being far more rigid than i think any of us ever really expected maybe even gabby even expected but let's talk a little bit more about the reasons for why these games have become so entertaining and you mentioned it already but players just have a willingness to get into the box that they didn't before. And sometimes it's just as simple as that, like not having four people around a central striker clearing cross after cross away and, and making it easy. And on top of that, when you do that, it makes it more open in general, mm-hmm. right? Like Columbus obviously had a plan to come in. They said in two banks of four low block with two strikers. They were very direct, try to hit and transition and should have gotten a couple of goals out of it. Probably. Thanks, Eric Curtado, uh, for, for <laughs> missing golly, like a 0.6 XG chance. But that also makes it more engaging. It's just fun to have fun games. Mm-hmm. And Anton Ox, we were talking to him after the game. He said that, you know, he's fine. Being, he, he, he's OK. He's, he's maybe more than happy Absolutely. to defend on that kind of island because it means what that means is that the team is going forward and trying to impose their will on the other team as well. I also want to read mm-hmm. this quote from uh, Anton Ox. It's a little long, but I want to read the whole thing because I think it. Uh, yeah. It does give good context for what this team is feeling um, and is just on the playing style kind of coming through these last couple of games. He says, I'm not going to critique Gabby for his tactics because I learned a lot under him. I'm going to give him credit where it's due. Rob has been here and he's seen what it's like to work under other coaches. He knows the philosophy and blueprint that worked here. The relationships he has with players, like when I've gone through spells of not playing well, he's been there for me. Same for most of these guys, the young guys, he's helped them turn from boys to men. My first CD I ever owned, by the way, Uh, you have to have respect for him. He knows what he's doing. I've seen the amount of time he's put in. I've honestly not seen anyone at the club put the amount of time he's put in. He knows what he's doing. I'm going to believe in him. He believes in us. And then here's the key. He just wants us to go out and express ourselves. We have the capabilities to do that. And I think that 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 expressing themselves is really what we're seeing from this team and a lot of the individuals, Uh, you know, Marcelino Moreno obviously stands out as a guy who looks like he's now playing the game that he wants to play, you know, like he's going out there and, and being the Marcelino Moreno that he believes he's been his entire career, which is a player who can, you know, pick up the ball in midfield and drive at the defense and, and use that dribbling ability that he has. And I think that those central areas work out a lot better for him as well. And Rob Valentino has recognized that. So um, I think, 
Anton's right that these players just have a lot more confidence um, to go out there and just play their game, you know, instead of trying to be placed in a certain tactical position and role that, you know, they feel like they can't ever break or, or they'll get in trouble or reprimanded from the, from the coach. If I had to guess, and if that report was true, I don't think Anton was one of the players that went and said goodbye to Gabby at his house. Mm, yeah. You know, just kind of a general vibe you can kind of pick up from listening to those quotes and understanding what he was saying about, he mentioned Tata a few times. He mentioned how just, more positive everything was essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> and um it's amazing we're gonna talk about it more but these guys really love rob valentino you know that that quote was outstanding i thought to me and again it continues to show why rob valentino might be just the the perfect guy to kind of drag this team from one manager to the next yeah and and anton had another quote i'll just read it here because i got it pulled up he says especially with rob being here and how open and demanding he is of us guys have a smile on their face every day now everyone is re-energized re-energized because of rob even more than what they were under our previous manager that mutual respect that we have for him we want to fight for him more he's just a great guy that's what i'll say about him great person great human being we owe it to him so yeah i mean i think that obviously these guys they feel a need to give more for valentino for reasons that are not necessarily purely soccer related it seems you Mm -hmm. know they like you know it's they just love the guy personally and and professionally. But and on top of that, the soccer reasons seem like a better reason to to do what they're doing, right? Like it seems like a better thing for everyone involved. And again, Tata was kind of mentioned, and we've talked before a whole bunch about how the defensive players sometimes felt like they were on an island, you know. But I think it was very interesting to hear. I think Anton men- mentioned Parky within the context of what they're doing right now and how well he read the game. And I thought Anton read the game very, very well mm-hmm. Yeah, on Saturday. You know, and again, he continues to kind of come in his own as a very mental player because he's not a stellar athlete. You know, he's, he's yeah. not exactly what, what Miles is able to do. No one is really able to do what Miles is able to do <laughs> athletically, but he was very good. I thought Alan Franco continues to kind of look more and more comfortable. And it'll be interesting to see how that kind of continues to grow as, as Miles kind of comes back in to this partnership. But that's from one to three at center back. That's as deep and as talented as I think any team in the league. And they're going to continue to keep thriving, I think, in a situation that does leave them on an island, but allows them to show off their best attributes, I think, pretty routinely. Yeah. And uh, we, we I know we have people asking questions. We'll get to them later in the show about a lot of these people, you know, these guys in defense. I will say that I totally agree with you on Alan Franco. I thought he was fantastic in the game and i thought that he was he was good against cincinnati and against cincinnati it was more for the defensive work that he was doing and in this columbus game i thought it was more down to his ability to um control the ball and just help move the ball around the back he looks so much more comfortable with the ball at his feet and i don't know if this plays into it and i kind of asked him about this but of course players always say that they're comfortable in any position or whatever but um I, to me he just seems more comfortable or it's no surprise he's looking more comfortable now that he's playing as the right-sided center back in a back two as opposed to which is what he played at independiente his entire career uh as opposed to playing in, as a central center back in the back three um mm-hmm. if you look at his stats at least the way it's coded in the stats that they have on online he was like exclusively a right-sided center back in a back two so whenever there's a player like that i, I feel like you just have to put them in that position because it's what they know what they're comfortable with and i think that you know he's shown he's shown you know great improvement and of course injuries he was dealing with some other things as well injuries adjusting to the league all that stuff early on and so i'm sure some of that plays in part of this as well his improvement recently uh but yeah it's been really good to see and now you're looking at obviously miles robinson is going to start for this team as long as he's on atlanta united but you're looking at a situation where uh, it's tough because you got three 
you know, good center backs and you're going to have to pick between between them if you want to kind of stick with what they've been doing tactically uh, shape wise these last couple of games. Which I mean, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe three, five, two, maybe yeah. something similar. Yeah. You know, Could it, be. It, it, I'd, I'd imagine it'd be pretty difficult to to get by a back three of Miles Robinson, Anton Walks, now and Franco, you know, if if they do a three, five, two, I want to see the wing backs really push up. Like really I want that. I want it to I be agree. like a true back three. You know, And, and Frank would say mm-hmm. this. He would say when you play a three, four, three or three, five, whatever it is. It's a three or a five, depending on how well your the team is playing. If the team is playing well, connecting <laughs> right. passes, able to press, then it becomes a three. And if if you're disjointed and you're not sharp, then it becomes a five because those wingbacks have to drop back. And it really does make a big difference as to how you know a potent you can be because when you, those fullbacks or the, those wingbacks are giving you that width, um, it just changes the game so much more and allows it allows you to press better because they're already stationed higher up the field and they can kind of get after teams. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, and that'll be an interesting one to watch for sure and Atlanta clearly has the personnel to do that yeah Yeah, like Brooks and and George doing that seems like the optimal scenario for everyone so we'll see we'll see I want to move on to a more central player though I want to talk about Marcy Marcelino Moreno had mixed reviews weirdly enough I don't know if you noticed this I think everyone in the stadium was like Marcy hell yeah let's go buddy Mm -hmm. doing a great job I saw a few national folks I'm not gonna name names bringing the ball stopper label out again uh talking about uh, not making the right choices at the right times and transition. I saw a couple of people mention this. Um, oh, it was Joe Lowry and, and Matt Doyle in particular, who were kind of mentioning these things. I want to kind of get your thoughts on Marcelino's performance as a whole. Cause I think overall I came away pretty positive from it. Yeah, I was too. Although I, I mean, I'm not going to say they're like wrong. I haven't rewatched the right. game or anything. And I'm sure that if you were to look at certain situations, like you, I'm sure that you could pick out, you know, Oh, he could have passed it to this guy at this time instead of waiting and, and giving it to this guy. Uh, but I think just generally he was effective in what he was trying to do. Um, I think that again, you, you pointed this out earlier, but you know, when you're playing with God bless him, a chop chole, he's let's remember he's a rookie who's on like a, you know, MLS minimum salary. It's I kind of feel bad for him that he's being relied upon to like, you know, be one of the starting wingers for this team. Um, but, you know, he's still trying to find his way in the professional game. And so when you're a player like Marcelino Moreno and you have more inexperienced players or just, you know, if you want to talk about quality or whatever, if you have that kind of quality around you, then it can be more difficult at times. And it might change even the mindset that you have, whether it's like, oh, do I really want to dish it right here or, or should I wait and, you know, try to find a better opportunity? So uh, I'm interested to see how he plays when when more players come into this team, whether it's Ezekiel Barco, whether it's uh, another Argentine playmaker that we will talk about. But um, I thought he was good. You know, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I can't really fault to him too much. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to deny that those guys are right or wrong in, in their assessments either. Those both Joe and Matt know a ton about soccer, but um, mm-hmm. I thought he was fine. If he can continue to play this way, he's going to be valuable and like worth I hate saying like worth the money but I think that he's he's going to be the player that a lot of Atlanta United fans um, were expecting I think for us who kind of watch this team really really closely it's been such a, a relative shift towards the positive that we couldn't help be we have Stockholm syndrome Maybe not Stockholm syndrome, no, not, but, not the quite but yeah <laughs> but you know like I, I think maybe our expectations were 
maybe even lower. Yeah. You know, and for him to continue to kind of progress, uh, maybe he hasn't been quite as good as we've kind of started to latch on to. But I think he has been good. And I think he continues to look like a piece when played in the right position, considering who the personnel are right now and who they might be coming up soon. When played in the right position, he's been very effective when he's not on the wing, when he is central and when he is able to kind of lead those charges in transition. I thought he's been solid and able to create things. We'll see if that continues. But right now, I, I appreciate Marcy for what he's doing. And I think, again, we've said it before, as a TAM player who continues to have pieces kind of grow around him, I think he continue to be a, a really important character in the central part of the field for Atlanta. I think one of the reasons he has more success centrally is because, you know, he's got this dribbling style where he's really he's really effective by the numbers, his ability to dribble past a player both in MLS and in Argentina, it's really high. He, he, and he attempts it a lot. Um, and I think that he's actually better able to do that centrally because he's not like pinned up against a touchline where he he's more predictable in the directions he can go. I feel like he can kind of, he can use the openness of the field to his advantage. And when you're on the wing, you only, you have like a fewer amount, like you have fewer directions you can travel with the ball. Like what you can either like kind of go up the touchline or cut inside. And so for those players, you want somebody who has like a very top quality skill, whether that's like a step over to get by a guy or just like a quick first touch or something like that. And I don't think Marcelino Moreno really has those kinds of like moves in his locker, but I think he's just really good at using his body to kind of help him navigate past players. And I think that that's why he has more success in the, some of those central areas, as opposed to when he gets out wide, he's kind of predictable and it's, it's always kind of, it does it just doesn't look aesthetically good either, you know, um, so, because he, I don't think he's a traditional winger. So, you know, that I think that that's why. I think you're definitely right. I also want to point out real quickly that this team is getting fouled less. And I find mm. that very interesting. Mm. I find that interesting. I haven't looked quite at the stats, but it's it's pretty apparent to me that a dribbler like Marcelino is getting fouled less. I'm not quite sure what the reasons are for that. And it may have to do with just having more options and teams knowing that if they risk that foul and don't get it right, you know, they could actually be in trouble. I, I, I don't quite know yet, but it, it seems encouraging that at least people are staying upright, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's been a big kind of talking point with this team is how much they're getting fouled this season. And, you know, I, I kind of see that as if you're getting fouled that much, you, you got to get rid of the ball then. Like, you know, and, and sometimes the team is getting just hacked down. And of course that's annoying and it's going to happen sometimes. Um, but you can avoid those to an extent. And I think we've all clearly seen it with, especially with a guy, a guy like Ezekiel Barco, who was like very willing to play for the foul, go down and, and then, you know, set up a set piece or something like that. So it is, it is mm -hmm. good to see. I think it gives the team a lot more like fluidity and just like better flow in the game too, for not to be getting stopped up as much by those fouls. One player who may be getting fouled in an Atlanta United uniform very, very soon is Tiaga Almada. We'll talk about him right now in business time. Business time, Joe Patrick, and only one piece of business on anyone's mind right now. Diego Amada, the winger-ish player from Vela Sarsfeld, who's had a, a ton of European teams on his radar, who is considered maybe the rising young star in Argentina right now, is reportedly in talks with Atlanta United, and the deal seems to be close. When Gabby was 
about to be fired and this rumor popped up, we thought that makes no sense because Gabby's about to be fired. <laughs> right. You know, obviously they would have had a relationship. And uh, I assumed that as soon as Gabby was gone, so was that rumor. Uh, came back in force. And uh, Felipe mentioned today that this is a guy who understandably has been on Atlanta Night's radar for a long time because he's probably been on everybody's mm-hmm. radar for a long time. He's just that kind of player. What are your initial thoughts of Tiago to Atlanta United? Yeah, I mean, I think to echo some of what you said, I think that my initial thought was like, I can't believe that Atlanta still has a chance to get this guy because he is <laughs> such a, you know, established, established prospect. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly, exactly mm-hmm. the way kind of phrase where he has is at in his career. He's more established than like Ezekiel Bar. Barco was Ezekiel Barco. I think he had played like 30 something professional games in his career in all competitions before he came to Atlanta. And, uh, and, and Almada's played more like in the seventies or eighties, something like that. So he, he has much more of an established uh, repertoire. And, um, I know in, uh, in football manager, obviously, uh, my, <laughs> my soccer game of choice, he's uh, very highly rated. I think in my current save, he's on arsenal right now. Um, so yeah, he's a fantastic player. I think that the interesting part of this is that, I think people have are kind of like skittish. They're kind of <laughs> um, they're like, you know, we, do, we they're they're skittish from Barco. It's like they've got yeah. shell shock, you know, like we we we've already been through this. You know, the the Argentine diminutive playmaker is not the guy we need. It's not going to work. But um, I understand that fear. Like, I totally get why, <laughs> like, you know, if you think you're just getting another version of Barco, then you'd kind of be put off by that. But and that is kind of who Almada is. He is kind of the platonic idea deal of of Ezekiel Bark <laughs> I think uh, at least that's what he's shown to be so far in his career so he he's a guy who seems to have more of a capability to play off the left uh, as a left winger cutting inside onto his right foot again people are going to be like well or is he going to get in Marcelino Moreno's way just like Ezekiel Barco was and maybe who knows but I mean uh, I'm just I'm ex- very excited about this uh, he's he's a top player if you go go look go watch his YouTube compilation one time and oh, you'll be sold <laughs> Uh, I um, you mentioned that because yeah, I'm one of those people that's like I, I am broken by both PT and Ezekiel right. Barco I refuse right. to get my hopes up <laughs> ever again until until proven otherwise but again this is a, a guy who by all indications is, is maybe a, a step above that you know who really has had genuine interest from very big teams overseas, you know, who has a reported value of somewhere around 22 million is the number I think I've mm-hmm. seen thrown out for this potential deal. There are a whole lot of questions, though. Uh, again, you kind of already mentioned people are wondering where does he even fit into a team with Marcelino Moreno and Ezequiel Barca, who are already overlapping and stepping on each other's toes. How does he how does he fit into that? Is the Venn diagram of the three of them just a big circle that doesn't really help <laughs> anything? You know, it, it's fascinating on top of that how the hell do they have money to do this where is the space for this is there a dp going away is he apparently even a possible young money signing in the u22 initiative which is something felipe mentioned today which i don't understand and i've i've talked to other people who don't really understand how that could be possible yet either my initial thought of that was good job paul mcdonough and then i went wait I think there were I thought that for the U22 signings, I need to pull up the rule, which I don't have right now. But I think that there was like some limit. Let's not even do it. Isn't there a limit on the amount of like the transfer? Let's not even do it. Let's not even do it. I yeah. Anyway, I don't think that that's possible. And who honestly, it's anybody's guess as to like how they would be able to get him in. There was some rumor that it was it would be a transfer for next season. 
which I think would then be a, the transfer would complete, but then he would go on loan again. And that but was that was a rumor. Very, a yeah, you very, know, that very reported that vaguely was, sourced was rumor. Highly, highly sketch. But the but you know. I don't know where that where it would come from either, but it, it but that's why the rumor is so interesting. And the, the, I'm sorry, I should say a report. I mean, this the 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 fact that um, that Atlanta has put in a formal bid for him is very well sourced by very reputable journalists like the best Merlo. Cesar Luis Merlo. Uh, yeah, wait, among them. wait, Radio Six Seventy. That's right. <laughs> don't forget Radio Six Seventy. Um, Our longtime friends. Yeah. So, I mean, it, but it just opens a lot of questions. Does does he know who the manager is going to be here? Yeah. Has, you know, if, if they've discussed if they've had if Atlanta's had talks with them, have they said we know who the manager is going to be uh, and this is who you'll be playing for? But, you know, we just Absolutely. haven't announced because well, what's what's the draw right now? Right. Why? Yeah. After seeing uh, after seeing a come here and not be able to do anything after seeing PT come here and not really be able to do anything after seeing Gabby come here and, and falter what is the draw for a player who has had you know I think Olympic Marseille is, is one of the teams that have been recently linked to him you know ask teams like that kind of coming after him what what is the draw for Atlanta right now and I'm not sure I understand it I I mean I the draw is money it's always going to be money for players coming to coming to MLS yeah. we look at salaries when we look at the salary guide and when you see guys on $3 million a year, $4 million a year, like especially young players coming from Argentina or anywhere else in South America. Those are, those are big contracts, contracts that they would not be getting in Europe. Um, so even though it seems kind of small uh, on yeah. our standards, like the way that contracts go, typically um, you, you don't see European teams just like splashing money on young players, unless they're very, very proven, of course, uh, like clubs in MLS do. So, you know, I think that yeah. the money is clearly going to be a draw. But yeah. And the other thing is that Atlanta can afford him. You know, uh, Velez is, is holding out for, you know, a, a fair what they consider a fair fee for him. And Marseille, the reason that deal broke down is because they couldn't match that fee. I think it was rumored to be somewhere in the range of 12 to 15 million euros that Marseille couldn't reach and that they were demanding. He does have a 25 million euro release fee, too, which nobody has met. Um but yeah, I think Atlanta seems to be one of the few clubs that would be willing to pay the fee for him as well. And so that obviously that's kind of a deal breaker in and of itself. Yeah. Which like shout out Arthur Blank. My goodness to and have the, the courage to invest in the team like that at this point. It, is, is it's remarkable. not the most it's not the most comfort comforting thing when it's like we're the only team that's willing to pay this much money <laughs> for this guy. Like no other team is willing to pay that much. Um, but no, I mean, I like this guy is a bona fide prospect by any measure. Like there was a lot of excitement. Um, can't remember when Felipe reported this, but at one point he reported uh, Augustine Almendra from Boca from yeah. Boca Juniors, and I would say Tiago Almada is a much better pros- prospect than even that, and that was a pretty exciting deal. And I think that they were he was valued at like twenty million or something. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 loving I'm loving this. I hope it comes to fruition, but I'm if it does there will be ramifications like something else has to happen for him to be able to fit onto this roster as a designated player. So Patrick, you're loving all of this. You're loving the whole scenario. I'm loving that. It's time for a quick break. And before we get back into the show, did just want to shout out once again, our partners at lucid FC for bringing you this episode of five stripe final. They've got a new shop out um, in Buckhead. It's right behind the whole foods there. Uh, the address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest. If you want to write that down or Google it or whatever, but I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential to say the least. These guys are really creative and uh, I think that it will be more than just a, a place to sell clothes. So that will be really cool, but you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. 
They've got their new Spring Summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on, on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra, extra large. And uh, price points from $8 to $380. So there's something in there for everybody. Uh, and it has just launched. And it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, Lucid FC. Dot us and maybe pick up yourself some uh, some modern world clothes. Wow, what a break! What an incredible break! The best break ever. I've never really experienced a break like that. Probably changed my life. Joe Patrick, people had questions, and we're gonna try to answer them. We'll start with this one from Crashmore's Cosmic Gumbo. Okay, uh, Darren has taken responsibility for the past two years, but how much of that really falls on him? Does he leave with Boca if when the hammer drops, or does he? get a longer lease joe i'm gonna let you take this one first (laughs) oh boy no i mean i think that i think that darren has to be just like darren has to have a a longer leash i'm just going to kind of quote using this kind of adopt this term that's been used in the question um darren has to have like a longer leash than boca negra like that's the reason why you have these um individuals in different roles is because you know for the sake of the organization if things start going wrong on the field it's not like you have to you know uproot everybody and everything and overturn this thing from the top to to the bottom um i will say that you know the struggles that this club is having seem to be you know for go for extend further than the field you know when you talk about so many people good people who have left the club for you know in various roles um and i'm not saying that that's like the responsibility of any one single individual like darren but i mean it is his responsibility to fill roles and and to get the organization back to that Mm -hmm. top level where it's been in the past so um yeah i mean i think that you know both these guys have taken accountability i think that there's also a difference between like just saying um we're accountable and then like that's kind of that's something you can say in a press conference but like what does that manifest in in real life i think that that's kind of the big question here and something that none of us really know the answer to now you have to give me your take on whether people (laughs) should be god um brutal scenario here this is (laughs) this is a rough job sometimes um i think that if it is darren's job to necessarily build the culture of the team and create an environment that that makes this team thrive not only from a business scenario but an on-field scenario and everything like that i think he would be the kind of person and he kind of has already indicated this to admit that that has been relatively unsuccessful over the last couple of years i will say though that Knowing other executives around the league and knowing who Darren is as a person, I think that if you were going to stick with anyone through this to turn things around, you know, I'm not sure you could do better than him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and like mistakes have been made. I think that's clear. I think everyone kind of understands that. But I think Darren offers more value. God, I feel like an ass. Offers more value (laughs) in general to the team than what Carlos Bocanegra has brought as a sporting director. And I am hopeful that they, if one goes down, they do not go down together. Yeah, I agree with that. Can I breathe yet? I agree with that. I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up for you. Tag me in. Um, I think one of the mistakes that was made, um, 
in this organization, at least like when it comes to like these front office roles was when Paul McDonough left to go to Inter Miami, which I think kind of caught everybody by surprise. I, I don't know if they were exactly planning for it, for that to happen. I think they made a mistake in not bringing in somebody else at that point, um, because it just seems to me like, again, I, I've always kind of credited Carlos for his ability to you know, he has competencies in certain roles. I think that, he, you know, he can oversee things day to day. He's always paying very close attention to what's going happening in training and the way that um, the the twos have been set up has been very successful in terms of being able to produce players. And I think that Carlos deserves a lot of credit for that. But I think that there when it was just him um, kind of working with the the recruitment team, it just didn't seem to work as well. You know, it, it seemed like there was a piece missing and that and that's where things started to go wrong. So that, and that's just kind of my read from the outside, of course. Um, so that's what I would say about it. I think that that's kind of where they went wrong. I think that it, it, they are kind of getting into better shape now. They're, they've got a staff view uh, on the way in. Of course, I don't know how involved he'll be in on the football side of things, but um, I think they are kind of understanding that um, there are kind of better, you know, they, they just need to fit play, people in better roles for them that, that accentuate their strengths. So I think that that's what we can expect this club to do. Um, but it will certainly be interesting to see whether Boca, you know, can hang on to his job uh, because, you know, it's very clear, like whenever you see it's, it's unfortunately gotten to the point where any like Atlanta United YouTube video has Boca out in the comment. Like it's, it's yeah. become a meme essentially at this point. Um, and it's just not a good look uh, for that yeah. to happen to a club. A, a central tenet of my sports analytical philosophy is that you can lose, but you can't become a meme. That's where it <laughs> yeah. really starts to hurt. That's yeah. where it really starts to hurt. And you know what? If this is the end of the road for Carlos Bocanegra, guess who's going to be super fine? Carlos Bocanegra. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I have okay. to go home to my nice house and my oh. incredible family and, um, and drive sports cars and be hot. Like, so I don't know. Seems, seems fine. <laughs> the interesting part of it will be um, if they do decide to move on from Carlos, like how that transition actually happens, because it, it, from all reports, his contract is up in March, uh, next March. Right. So that's like right before the MLS season starts. And so to me, if you do you know, plan on going forward without him completely, then it doesn't make sense to keep him in the role that he's in to like build the team, you know, to build the team that he then won't be in charge of after he builds it, you know? Um, yeah. So that's why I tend to think that he's actually going to stay on, but he'll just, they'll bring in somebody else as well. And they, that way they will kind of ease the transition and maybe he'll only be around for like one more year or so, but I'm starting to think that he, st he sticks around, but if not, mm. then they've, they've got to have a plan and, and they've got to bring somebody in ahead of time. Um, and I think that that's something that I mentioned a few that's pods ago, like they'd pr probably bring yeah. somebody in this fall. Yeah. And to get it, you mentioned a and I think that's someone who's going to be very, very involved in all of this process. I tend to think know? he will be as well. Yeah. Extremely, honestly. So that will help and possibly offer a lifeline to, to continue to have Carlos around. I, I got to think there's something, you know, that inspires loyalty from that perspective, if he does. And at that point, I kind of just have to, to trust it to some extent. Uh, speaking of offseason moves, uh, Smurfy asked this, do we bring back Franco Escobar? And if so, 
Does the front office think that could lessen the sting of potentially losing Bello Miles? Kind of wasn't expecting this question. I'm not sure where Franco kind of came out here, but his loan is up at the end of the year. I think Uh, that could be that could be a clear option for Atlanta. I don't see why you wouldn't really. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's an option. I, I, I the way that the question is kind of is, is structured, I, like I, I wouldn't want him to like be brought back to, I guess, lessen the sting. Is that is that tactically or just like on based on kind of fan like ability? Because if it was based on just like, oh, fans like him uh, th- like that, I don't think that that's the proper way to assess things. I think you would have to leave it to the coach, the next whoever the next coach is, um, you know, he would probably yeah. need to talk to. Carlos or or whatever front office person he needs to to uh, yeah. make a decision on whether he would fit in their plans. But I would not expect him to be back. OK, let's move on to that. I, Smurphy also asked, do we think there will be an offer for walks coming through at some point if he continues to outperform expectations? Um, I think this is a little more relevant. Let, let's let's kind of dig into this. I think that Anton seems like a guy who could be on this team for a long, long time. He gives off similar vibes to Joseph in the sense that the love for the city and what the club has brought and the fan base is genuine. We talked to him on the Patreon, patreon.com slash five strike final before. And we talked about why did you come back? Why did you not stay in England? You know, you had a chance to to be elsewhere, but you decided to come back. And he said simply that uh, he loved Atlanta. He loved it. And that is the kind of guy you want to kind of have around, especially if he can be a central piece of your defensive spine for years to come, which I think he can be, especially again, as he becomes a more cerebral player, as it seems over time, who understands how to read a game. That's who you want. So hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I totally with you. And he, it's kind of fun that he has the touch point all the way back to 2017. I mean, that's pretty cool yeah. for fans, especially too. Um, the one thing I would mention is that just the fact that these English clubs in the Premier League have uh, like, you know, English, um, what like the homegrown rules, uh, homegrown player rules where you have to have a certain amount of um, players that were developed in the nation. So that could be, you know, one of the things that could draw him back or make him attractive to some of those teams. But, you know, I think that he's in a good place right now in Atlanta. I think he's playing well here. His family is here, uh, his wife and kids or his Mm -hmm. partner and kids. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't I don't see him leaving anytime soon. He's good value for the club right now. We talk about good signings that Atlanta United has made in these recent years. There aren't many, but I would say that, you know, bringing him in last year was definitely one of them. And he was he was kind of a sneaky standout last year, too. He was one of the few consistent players during a terrible, terrible season of 2020. So I hope he's around for a long time. Let's talk about another signing. Joel B. asked thoughts on Ronald Hernandez through two games he did get the goal the other night against Cincinnati I think it was a mixed bag overall as far as that performance goes I think he was still kind of getting settled but a goal can kind of heal all wounds Saturday I thought he was pretty unnoticeable which is okay defensively (laughs) you know like that's fine for a reserve Mm -hmm. yeah for a backup playing in a a spot that is not his natural position right right exactly and I think you can sense that right you can sense that he's not quite natural out there. I mean, he has experience playing out on that left side now because he's done it with Venezuela and he's done it a couple of times now with Atlanta, but you can tell he's not like purely natural and it can affect just the, some of the attacking play when, you know, the ball is on your, you, you would expect a ball to be whipped in off somebody's left foot when it gets out there and he's, you know, not as willing to do that. Although his cross from his off his left is not that bad. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not quite a natural and, uh, but you know, I'm with you. Like 
can't can't criticize him too much. He's been like perfectly acceptable, especially for somebody in his role on an MLS club. Yeah, he's in largely good form too. Remember, he scored uh, in a Copa America as well. So yeah, that's right. Seems to be a good moment for a guy who's had to kind of work through a lot, you know, coming from Aberdeen and everything like that. Kojo twenty eight ask, I'm curious on your thoughts on how these past two games have played out in terms of how the season might end up. This may change, of course, depending on who comes in coaching wise and how this new head coach will implement tactics and philosophy. Uh, P.S. I vote for manager Joe from football manager and his assistant Joseph be next up in line. <laughs> thought. Good thought. Uh, I think we should at least make uh, a pass at Joe for a sporting director assistant gig, right? Just let him use my, let you use my football, football manager, manager avatar yeah. is, is very, very good. Exactly. He's, he's very, very good. Exactly. As far as what this kind of indicates for the rest of the season, hopefully it indicates a team that is willing to continue to be open just no matter who the new manager is, a team that is willing to, to get forward and not hesitate to do that. That kind of thing and hopefully a team that continues to persevere and have some belief through a really rough time again they never quit on Gabriel Einze and now that they are under Rob Valentino who they seem to respect and really really like he seems like a perfect guy to continue keeping this team afloat and push them into a positive mindset as a new manager comes in and I think they can keep it up yeah uh, I was doing some reporting for 92.9 uh, this winter when the Hawks made their coaching change from Lloyd Pierce to, to Nate McMillan. And uh, I, I sense a lot of similarities between those two situations. And one of the things the Hawks players were saying, I think it was Trey Young who said this um, after I think they had played one or two games under Nate. And he said that, you know, he, he doesn't say as many words, but like what he does say, you take more to heart because it's just like has more impact, I guess, is the way he was phrasing it, as opposed to a lot of it seemed to me like the way Lloyd Pierce was talking to the team and trying to instill his philosophy was a lot more like theoretical and abstract in a sense where and like players didn't really grasp it as well. And I kind of feel that way with this team, whereas like not in the exact same way, but it just seems like these guys have a passion to play for Rob. And I think that that, that passion will continue through into this next coach kind of because of the character that Gabby was, you know, and kind of, yeah. I don't think that it sounds like an experience playing for him was an experience that none of those players will ever forget. <laughs> and I think that that might be a good thing, like going forward that they won't forget kind of how maybe miserable they were during those times, at least some of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it feels to me like a turning point in the season. I think that I expected to kind of continue this kind of, style of that they've been playing with these last two games no matter who the next coach is i don't think the next coach is going to come in and being be some figure who's like super demanding and rigid tactically i think that this club is likely to bring in a, a manager who's willing to just kind of be more fluid tactically and let players express themselves like they've been doing under under uh valentino i love the idea that gabriel Einze was using like abstract concepts to like push his philosophy in soccer. Like, no, no, you, you're playing a little too blue today. I need you to play more red. Go run some laps. No, you can't have any water. While Rob Valentino is like, let's shoot. Let's, let's yeah. run some folks, you know, and it's clear what's working a little better. They were um, they, just the other day at training and warmups, they were doing like, uh, they do like these fun games. I don't know if they were doing this under Gabby because we never got to see, you know, B-roll or I, I didn't at least when, when Gabby was the head coach, but they were doing, it was like, um, it was like field day, field day games, huh. you know, yeah. where you're like running with the soccer ball and you're tucked under your arm, weaving through poles and things like that. It was kind of fun. Love it. Love it. Uh, C Black asked real non-robot question. A new coach is likely to bring a new system and it's unlikely to include man marking. Shouldn't we be worried about trying to implement something this big in the middle of the season 
are we in for a two month learning curve? My thought with the man marking in particular is no, because all you have to really do is revert back to what you've been doing exactly. your entire life. Exactly. Is that it? These is guys that should like all the whole be, thing? yeah, they should know yeah. how to play a four, two, three, one out like the back of their hand, you know, just generally just like a basic, you know, whatever. And then whatever mm -hmm. coach comes in can kind of implement tweaks based off of that. But all these guys have grown up playing in that zonal style. So I wouldn't expect that to be any sort of adjustment, honestly. Yeah. As far as everything else, uh, again, I think Joe kind of hit out. They're going to want someone who is a little more direct and has a clear idea of what they want to do, um, which is what we thought we were maybe getting with Gabby and then maybe didn't get, you know, uh, hopefully they can get it right. I, I'm, I'm optimistic that they can this time, having learned a lot of lessons, I think, over the last couple of years. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, as far as like a two month learning curve, hopefully it's not quite that bad. If it's and that, then it's not going to be a good <laughs> end of yeah, the season. Uh, hopefully, though, it um it does happen smoothly and it does happen to a point where Atlanta doesn't have to punt on this season. I think that's something we can kind of come back to with Tiago Almada. It's clear that this team is not punting. It's clear that this team hasn't given up yet. Um, and it, it's clear that it's worth still paying attention to right now. And hopefully the coach understands that it does need to kind of happen quickly. You only have so much time to, to save this season and this season is important. You know, if you really want to make major tweaks, maybe make them in the off season. Mm -hmm. That's my thought. I think That's that that will be, I think that Darren and Carlos will communicate that quite clearly into whatever manager they decide that I think they're going to say, do whatever you have to do to make us competitive this year. And if you want to make changes afterwards, then you can go for it. But we really want you to come in and take this current squad and, and push them as far as you can. Uh, Nick, the conqueror asks short Orlando getting smacked yesterday, affect my expectations for Friday. Uh, what happened yesterday was Orlando got on the Yankee stadium field. And NYCSC took all the talent and underlying numbers that said they should have been smacking teams like this all year and just let out a lot of frustration <laughs> on Orlando City. Um, Orlando missing a lot of folks. Of course, they haven't looked as cohesive as last year. They have struggled with getting their fullbacks in. Uh, Juan, uh, John Matino, folks like that have been out a lot. Um, Mauricio Pereira has maybe Pereira has maybe taken a step back. Uh, Daryl DK is obviously with the national team right now. They're a little iffy right now. They have not been great over the last few games, including a three, one loss to Chicago and that five, nothing lost at NYCFC. However, your expectations for Friday should be low. <laughs> 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 that's my thought i have nothing still to add. A you, you have lady yeah you know what's going on with orlando and i don't so mm -hmm. i'll take that i'll take them I, being in a rut a little bit right and you should at least be optimistic that maybe with rob valentino some of the the juju is coming back uh, for atlanta united as a team that is just a a, a, a bane on orlando's existence revenge game know? for rob too revenge for, game for rob for as someone who was with the usl orlando team and when they made the jump to MLS, he was not a part of the group that was taken up. And that kind of ended his playing career. Um, hopefully, I'm going to have a piece up on that at some point this week as well. Keep oh, nice. an eye out for that and, and cross your fingers for me that I get that done. <laughs> um, Philip Jeffcoat asks, we see Miles playing really well with the USMNT and then Walks and Franco have been playing well also. Who is the odd man out or do we see a three-man back line when Miles returns? We've already kind of talked about that, but Joe, let's do it kind of as a rapid fire thing. Gut call, back three or someone else out. I think it would be Franco out. Oh, that would be my oh. guess. Not like out Damn. of the club, obviously, but just like I think, right. he, he, like if you're picking a back four, I think, he, yeah, I think Frank Franco would be left on the bench. I think you go back three. I think I can see it happening, and I think I can see it being effective. I would be fine That's with that thought. as well. I would right. be actually yeah, be happy yeah. to see that. Totally. Uh, B. Mildenhall asks, who's in and out at the starting 11 when everyone is back and healthy, except Emerson, obviously. 
In other words, what's our best starting 11 with this roster? These questions are always hard because it's hard to kind mm-hmm. of piece together. Um, let's do it this way. Let's let's do it with and without Tiaga Almada. Um, do Almada, Moreno, and Zeke ever see the field all at the same time this year if Almada comes? See, I just don't see how it would be possible by yeah, those rules it. for it to happen. So I would say no. <laughs> yeah, that's my thought, too. That's my um, thought, too. So are we doing our best 11s? I mean, I, I don't know. That's, that's really tough to kind of picturize, picture arrive, whatever the fuck the word is <laughs> over radio. <laughs> my, uh, my, my back four would be Bello, Robinson, Walks, Ro- Lennon. My midfield would be Sosa, Moreno, and who would be like my eight? I kind of like Amar Sadich. <laughs> um, I don't know. Sadish has been good. I think he's been totally fine. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. The eight's open. And then uh, the front three would be Joseph up top. I would still put Barco in the team with Moreno. I know I, I know a lot of people because Moreno's had a lot, so much success without Barco that they'd be like, you know, never, never put him in, put him on the bench. I would still put Barco out there if he's in the team, like put him put on the right wing, wing or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe put him somewhere where they're not going to run into each other, but I would still have him out there. And then I guess the other winger would be who? Who's the other winger? <laughs> Tiago Lopez. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, Mulraney, know. I don't know stuff there, there's there's a lot of questions to figure out here we don't have those answers fortunately we aren't paid to answer those wait yes we are wait well not like in a like <laughs> not like yeah. a, a literal sense whatever we, we are paid, paid to answer five bucks at a time these questions really quickly this is rapid fire joseph's dad bought ask alan franco looks vastly improved over the past two games agree disagree agree totally agree now for Rook, we ask, when will the podcast be out? Uh, Monday at like four, I think, is when it's going to be out. Uh, Tony asks, will Amada be a dude? I say yes to him being a dude, but I am hesitant because I've been hurt before. <laughs> I say yes. He, he will be a dude. Don't don't it, don't don't worry. Have have have, have faith. Have far. ATL Greg one asks, when is Miles heading to Europe? I say this off season. Yeah, I think this off season. ACL Greg one ask again, do we think that Kanye is sampling the streaks of defeated for his new album <laughs> while living in MBS? If you didn't hear, uh, Kanye West is living in Mercedes. That's not a bit. That's not it's a bit. So cool. I caught wind a little bit of it during the game. And I know this is rapid fire, but I want to share this, but I caught wind of it a little bit during the game that Columbus had been moved to an auxiliary locker room because of Kanye West. I confirmed that with the team. Uh, Kanye West has just set up shop in the visitor's locker room that, that's normally used for MLS teams. Apparently, there's a studio in there. Again, apparently, he's living in there, <laughs> according to TMZ. So, yeah, there you go. He walked around the stadium wearing pantyhose on his face. Did you hear in the press conference somebody, like, tried to come through the door? Was it Kanye? The, well, the, the visiting locker room is right through that door, so maybe it was. We'll never wow. know. How what amazing that would that have been? been? That would have been, like, the greatest <laughs> moment in MLS journalism history. <laughs> Kanye West bursting through the door of the press conference. Uh, C Black asks, we don't have a mascot, but if you had to choose, would it be A, the alien on a pole from the supporter section, B, someone randomly walking around the stadium in a red puffy suit with pantyhose over his face? I don't think I don't think I'm going to go B there. I think like uh, some kind of anthropomorphic train would be terrifying and deeply like mortifying in a lot of senses. <laughs> and I think that's what you want your mascot to be. That's what I want. I'd use the fine dog. Oh, yeah. She's doing good. She stayed quiet this entire episode. And she is the official mascot. Five strike final. She'd be my mascot. And the mascot of Rapid Fire, which that was. That was Rapid Fire. Joe, any thoughts before we get out of here? Ooh, no. Um, it's going to be a busy week. 
We'll see what happens with Tiago Amada. We don't have much time left in the transfer window. Only, what, 10 days or so. So yeah. Window closes ex- August 7th. I yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, so. Uh, oh, something I've kind of forgot to mention then. And uh, my final thought will be, boy, I hope there's a backup if, if this falls through. Because there's not a lot of time if this does. You know? So if it goes through, are we just stuck? <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that will not go over well. I think we're going to get know? more news, not just about Almada, but about some other players here coming before the end of the window. That's my guess. I think I would agree. I think I would agree. We'll see what happens. Y'all go see what happens on our Patreon, patreon.com slash five strike final. Lots of great stuff, especially the discord. We love the discord talking to everyone in there on the regular about all things Atlanta United and some other stuff as well. We had an entire uh, channel dedicated to pets this week that was phenomenal. Really good stuff. There, it's amazing. Well I love the Discord. Well it's so Discord's fun. great. Uh, it's, course, it's, like, it's surpassed Twitter for me. You, it's it's so much better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, go check out a couple of interviews as well. Again, Felipe Cardenas. We got stuff with Jack Collison. We have more stuff coming to you this week as well. I think Peter Coates may be an option as Amada kind of comes in. We haven't. Mm-hmm. We're kind of discussing the show right now as we do the show. <laughs> um, the other fun things like that coming your way. Again, Patreon.com/slash Five Strike Final. Let's get out of here. Bye, all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.